0: hello hello good afternoon how are you guys how, how are you guys doing <laughs> Oh that was my roommate Sole um, Thank you for the prayer. I feel your support uh, today as you guys heard in the prayer that Pastor Christian and Pastor Erin are down under in Sydney Australia uh, they just finished the retreat that they were. Uh, ministering and speaking at, it's called All Things New, and it's a part of our church plan, um, uh, church planting plan. So that just finished, I believe. So we're gonna hear more reports next Sunday, and uh, upcoming gatherings, so get excited about that. Uh, but that's why you don't see them today, here, but you get to have me, so praise God. So today, uh, I just wanted to share a story, um, from yesterday. So how many of you guys were at Cycle for Hope event, yesterday. Wow, so many New Philly people represented. I, I heard you guys. I saw it spiking because um, you guys are like coming from opposite direction and I couldn't really look at you, but um, I heard people shouting my name. Pastor Myunga, you got this. You're doing good and all that. So to share uh, how that was for me um, as an experience, by the way, my name is Myunga Choi. I'm a, <laughs> one of the pastors in New Philly. I see some new faces. So um, yesterday, so I learned how to ride a bike only like three years ago. And uh, yesterday was my like fourth time riding a bike in my (laughs) life ever. And uh, that was my definitely first time long distance bike riding. So you guys could imagine how nervous I must have been and how mentally stressed I was. Uh, It's like... Beyond your imagination, if you rode bike like ever since you were young, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But uh, it's kind of like a bungee jumping or skydiving kind of mental stress that I was dealing with. I was uh, stressed out about the biking like 20, 30 times more than uh, like having a long Sunday of like preaching and ministering and things like that. Like the biking was just taking over my 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 life. <laughs> so yesterday, I, sh- I I in the morning I prayed up, God, I'm doing this for you. Give me the grace and strength and joy to finish the race, God. And I had to really pray up in the morning, and I showed up. 2 p.m., 2.30, I rented out my bike. And just looking at the bike, so intimidating. Like, this thing looks like... It's about to, like, eat me up. Uh, I was very nervous. Tina and Rona were with me, and I was trying my best to uh, not express it, but that it would just come out. I was so scared. And then um, I got my helmet, a really legit one, because there was a good chance that I might fall, you know? <laughs> so I hopped on the bike, and I I just had to, you know, the first pedaling, it just had to be a faith, because there was no way that I could do it in my own strength, you know? So I just went for it, and then I was going. And, um... So you know hiccups here and there, but then I got on the bike road, so there was a beautiful bike path that the Korean government recently built it 's called arakir so that's the that 's the ride that we were all uh, that 's the road that we were using and uh, I got on the path, and then we were going we're doing well. Uh, I was with Tina. We were going to go slow. So we're like going, going. And uh, somehow I made it to the eight kilometer point that was a uh, halfway. So I would apply for 16K. So I was like halfway. I was like, whoa, we're almost there. Let's keep going. And then on the way back, we made like one K further down. And then my, my toes started cramping up. Really bad. Cause I didn't do any, like, stretching. Why are you laughing, huh? <laughs> don't laugh at that. <laughs> I didn't stretch. It was a serious exercise, cause I don't, like, regularly work out or anything. That's kind of far away from me. So, I, my toes are cramping up, so I had to sort of stop. And then when we stopped, like, in the middle of nowhere, uh, Tina and I, uh, Tina had to stop with me. So I, I got, like, crazy Charlie horses on my both legs. It was, like, coming up. I don't know why Americans English is trolley horse, right? That sounds too cute, okay? That thing is painful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, so painful. So I was, like, about to cry, but I couldn't walk. I wanted to walk, but then I couldn't walk. I couldn't ride a bike. I was stuck there. And Korean, it's it's Jinasa. I think it's a lot more fitting, like, uh, red broke out. I don't know. Jinasa, so... I was in so much pain, and uh, and I just kept hearing Tina telling me, "Oh, you're almost there. You're doing such a great job. Almost there, you know." Uh, And I was like, "Shut up, Tina!" (laughs) In my heart. (laughs) Sorry, Tina. I was like, "You don't understand." Oh, And then I started praying because I really was stuck and I couldn't leave my bike there. I couldn't abandon it there. And there was no way that, you know, stop laughing. (laughs) But on the verge of breaking down and I started to pray, God, I need your grace. Like, this is when your grace kicks in. I need your grace. Carry me on, God. Immediately, Force goes away. Like, the G, all the rats were gone. And immediately, I felt like, oh, snap, I could do this again, you know? So I got on the bike again, and I was like, oh, this is happening. And then we finished the race, like, without stopping once. So we, Tina and I, we finished 16K. We donated some money for the orphans and also uh, victims of sex trafficking. So that was a really like a monumental moment in my life. A big deal. (laughs) Big deal, okay? Big deal. I wrote it down in my journal. And um, why do I share this with you guys? There are moments in our lives when we are going toward a destination, there are times that we just feel like we can't go on anymore. And there are moments where we just feel so stuck. Oh, this is it. Just got to give up. Man, Charlie horse is on both both legs. Can't deal with it. You know, just got to drop it, abandon it, and just move on. Kind of moment. Have you guys ever been in that situation? And you try and try, but then like, oh, this is it. But then... Right when you feel that way, God's grace just overtakes you and then allows you to move on and keep going and takes you to the final destination. I'm going to talk about a journey of love that every single person in this room is called to live. But how many times do we feel like, man, I tried enough, I failed enough, this is it, just going to give up. Life of giving, life of sacrifice, life of loving enemies. Man, how many times did I try? And how many times did I yell at the tele-marketer? You know, how many times do I have to feel guilty about this? I'd rather just give up, you know? How many times have you guys felt that way in this journey of loving others? This is a journey that we are going to live for a lifetime. I heard way too much echo in my ears. It feels like I'm yelling into my ears. All right. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Come on, whistful. Ah, ah. Uh. <laughs> hello, hello. Okay, better. Good. So, sorry about that. Um, and I'm going to talk about the journey of learning to love God and learning to love others. And this is a sermon that you will always hear at church, but I wish, I really hope, and it's my prayer that this will bring you a fresh inspiration. Here of inspiration, I already talked about it. But if you need to be inspired about something, you should be inspired to love others and love God better. With the better quality, with the, better, with the higher intensity. If you are not inspired to love God or love your neighbors, there is something definitely missing in your life. You know, one thing, I want to be inspired to love God and love my neighbors better. Is that your prayer today? Awesome. Then let's get into the Word. So I've been doing a series on this book, Ephesians, uh, for a long time. And today we are starting chapter 5, chapter 5 verses 1 to 2. Very short scripture, but we're going to break this down together. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 to to 2. Let me read it for you from ESV. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. Very simple, just two verses, but there are so much to be taught from these simple two verses. So imitators, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Everyone say imitators. You know, everyone wants to be original, right? But the Bible tells us to be imitators of the one that created us, the one that is most original. So imitators. In other translation, it says, be followers of God as beloved, dear children. So you could tell, you know, when you look at someone, when they grew up in a really uh, happy and very healthy family, good homes, you can kind of tell. Especially when they are young. If you are a teacher, you can probably tell what kids are uh, have a really good family background and what, what kids have very broken home background. Do you guys agree? So you could look at a person, you could kind of tell the home background. So that then when people look at you, what do you think? Do you, do you think people look at you and see a gracious father? Or look at you and think that, oh, man, that boy must have a broken home, you know? What kind of image are you like giving off to other people? And I think this verse, be imitators of God as dear children, as beloved children. If you know that you are dear to God, you are beloved child of God, then imitate your dad. Be like your dad. Act like your dad. Talk like your dad so that the world will see that, you know? So what's important is that you know that you are a beloved child of God. And that's what gives you even the strength to be like God and be follower of your father. So you, you look like your dad, right? And you live like your dad, right? So that's what this verse is talking about. Man, I think I'm sometimes, being such a cleric, I, I act like a, like a bitter son of wrath. Um, I was talking about tele, telemarketers, and I think that's one of my um, biggest weaknesses. When I don't see a person's face, it's so hard for me to be loving to the person. So over the phone, they call and they bother me, and they, they keep calling me about the same thing that I said I'm not interested. I tend to be very short with them. And I will never talk to any of you that I know, or face-to-face, I will never do that. But then when the face is gone, if it's just a voice, am I the only sinner in this room? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) stop calling me, you know, stop stop calling. I'm bothered and I get very short with them. Guess I'm the only sinner in this room, huh? (sighs) Okay, all right. But see, so I sometimes act like a bitter, abandoned child of abusive father you know but if i'm really committed to imitate my father who is gracious who is merciful who is patient who is loving at all times i think i could do better by imitating him right so pray for me i guess <laughs> and we're going to talk about the following verse as beloved children and walk in love everyone say walk in love I love taking walks. Do you guys like taking walks? And I think Seoul is like so safe that you guys could feel free to walk along the Han River uh, your neighborhood. I live around Hongdae Hapjeong area. It's a really nice area to walk around at night. Not the like clubbing side, but then the opposite side it's really actually nice toward the river and stuff. So walking, I think there is a very um, special about walking. So Walking is very constant. Every single day you wake up, even getting out of bed, you're walking, right? Walking is very consistent thing in your life. Walking is daily thing in your life. And that you are still on the move. Walking is you're going somewhere with the direction ahead of you, right? But then like, when it comes to running, to me, running is very um, taxing. Running is um, very tiring, out of breath. I feel rushed. I don't like running um, for some people, you guys may love running, but I think walking, like, for everyone, walking with God, journeying with God has just something special about that. You know, everyone is walking with God in your life. At a, you know, in, in, in certain seasons, and um, even thinking about, um, and I always use, like, romantic relationship as, like, examples for my sermons, Illustrations. Not that I know much, but um, I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Hope you guys are okay with it. Um, You know, walking in love, that phrase, kind of similar to like falling in love, walking in love, but they are very different. Um, Anyone can fall in love, but not everyone can walk in love. You don't have to worry about like, am I ready to fall in love? Like, yeah, you are. Your hormones will help you, right? (laughs) But... um, (laughs) You don't have to ever worry about falling in love. You will fall in love. You're going to pray against that sometimes. But um, walking in love for a lifetime, are you ready for that? You know? Are you ready to walk it out with your spouse, with your fiance, with your boyfriend, whatever, for a lifetime? You know, walking in love is a lot more difficult than just falling in love. I don't think we have to ready ourselves so much to fall in love with someone, but ready ourselves to walk in love on a daily basis. And prepare our characters to really walk in love with God and also with the loved ones in our lives. And I think so many people, especially if you are in a church bubble, If you have a lot of Christian friends, you go to Christian school, you have nice people around you, it's so easy to deceive ourselves to think that, oh, I got this. I'm okay in this area. You know, test of love doesn't happen in the church. That's just a true statement. I can be so loving to all of you in this sanctuary, but then the test of love, the true test comes when we step out of the church. I mean, Luke chapter 6, 32 to 30, I mean, Luke chapter 6, let's turn there quickly. I think it's going to just bring deeper conviction to all of us. Luke chapter 6, 32. this this these are jesus's words okay he says if you love those who love you what benefit is that to you for even sinners love those who love them (sighs) 33 and if you do good to those who do good to you what benefit is that to you for even sinners do the same (sighs) 34 and if you lend to those who those from whom you expect to receive what credit is that to you even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amounts 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Earlier, we talked about imitating God, and this is Jesus speaking how God loves. If you love those who love you, who can't do that? You know, really, who can't do that? Even non-believers, without the Holy Spirit, anyone could love those who love them back. That's easy, right? But the true test of love really hits us when we are dismissed from church, when we're living our daily life. I remember one of the um, deacons at um, at KM's side, he was kind of like sharing his testimony of how he received this revelation from god he said he was meditating on these verses and then god gave him a vision of his wife and um this is by the way talking about loving their enemies right (laughs) and and he was talking about like 20 years ago she was the love of my life but then 20 years later now she's the enemy of my life (laughs) and uh, and the Bible tells me to love the greatest enemy and the enemy of my life. And then he was just sharing how I am so convicted to love my wife better, right? <laughs> I hope that's not the case for every couple. But, you know, the more you spend time with your spouse and whatnot, then you, the more you know the person, sometimes it gets more difficult to love them, right? So <laughs> that's a really bad example. <laughs> What I'm saying is, like I talked about telemarketers, like you, when you work with your coworkers, difficult coworkers, when you're working with your boss, that's when the test of love comes. Uh, dealing with that friend that gossiped about you behind your back, that's when the true test of love comes. You know, When you are dealing with your family that's been abusive to you for 20 years, that's when the true test of love kicks in. Uh, responding in the future, Because Bible promises that there will be persecutors and they will hate us for our faith. When we are dealing with situations like that, that's when the true faith, true test of uh, love, that's when it comes in. You know, that's the real situations, not within the walls of church. And um, it, it moves on to say this verse, Ephesians chapter 5, 2, it says, let me go back there. Are you guys there? walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us after he says walk in love he's talking about giving us the example of Jesus Christ and i think i find this at many different places in god's mind love and giving is very closely related john 3:16 what does he say for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son love Giving goes together. In this verse, same thing. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself of for us. Love and giving goes hand in hand in God's mind. But not just any giving or giving just anything. If you're just giving something that doesn't even matter to you, that's not a true giving. It's I'm talking about giving Something that costs, giving something that will cost you something. That's true giving, right? And costly giving, I'm going to call that in one word, sacrifice. Giving that costs you something. Giving that hurts you. Oh, giving this away hurts me. That's true giving. In other words, sacrifice. Giving that causes you discomfort and also inconvenience. Giving this away will cause me discomfort, it's gonna give me delay, but that's what true giving is all about. It's sacrifice. It costs you something. So for you to be living a life of giving, a life of sacrifice, it's definitely gonna cost you something. But the real question is, are you willing to pay the cost and still live a life of giving? You think when God gave his son, Jesus Christ, it costed God definitely a great deal, right? Knowing all the loss, knowing all the cost of it, God still chose to give his son for us. And God's not bad at math. He knew every single aspect of the loss, but still taking that into the account, God still decided to give the son to us. So... Are we going to follow that example and give when it costs us something? I'm not talking about like giving away all you have. i 'm going to talk about baby steps today, walking in love. So um, I remember in Myanmar when I was a mission trip, 2010. Who went to Myanmar with me? No one. What the, What happened to all, all of my team members? Anyways, I went to Myanmar. Uh, it was a mission trip with New Philly. And I brought my brand new beautiful guitar with me. So that's when I was learning how to play guitar. And uh, I picked out a beautiful guitar and I loved it. And I, the team needed it, so I ended up carrying it to Myanmar. And the pastor there, Pastor Zem, he really loved my guitar. So he would always comment on oh, that guitar sounds so beautiful. That guitar is so pretty. That guitar, this, that guitar. He will always talk about the guitar to me. And I just didn't get the hint. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's my guitar. (laughs) I know it sounds so good. I recently tuned it, you know, whatever, whatever. But then later on, I kind of like got the message, you know, oh, he wants this. And I was like, Heck no! In my heart, you know, <laughs> this is my guitar. You know, my one and only, my first one, and it was brand new too. So I was like, "Oh yeah, I know." And I started to kind of like not like him mentioning so much about the guitar. But then at the end, you guys all know, you know, God, God convicted my heart. Myung Ah give up that guitar. It's true. It giving is true giving when it when it hurts you to give it away. I was like, God, it really hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. Cause I had to like save up for the guitar. I was really poor. I was living in support. So there wasn't like a little sacrifice for me. But I was like, God, I'll give it to Pastor Zem and the people in Myanmar. And then they will use it in a better way, you know? So I, I just give it to you. I'll give it to them. And then God, uh, later on, and I was praying for them, showed me like an image of a golden guitar that I will have in heaven. So I'm expecting to see a golden guitar in heaven. That sounds better than my old guitar. But um, that, giving that away was really definitely painful for me, you know. Not just like a fight, not, not just in a physical like, like money-wise, but because it was so dear to me, it was something meaningful to me, it was so hard to give that away. You know, that sentimental attachment, giving that away was not easy. But I think when Bible talks about giving, sacrificing, it's meant to be a little painful. It's meant to be a little difficult and uncomfortable to just give it away. But after you give it away, man, that feeling is priceless. So, in the Bible, there are so many stories about giving and how God sees that giving as something so beautiful. You know, you guys don't know about Mary who broke the alabaster jar at the feet of Jesus. Was that an easy giving? Uh, People say that's like that oil, the alabaster jar, and then the oil inside costed like, well, three, fifty, what? Lots of money, right? $50,000 worth of money. And then you broke that oil and then used it to wash Jesus' feet. You're kidding me? That's really unreasonable spending, it sounds like to us, right? But to Jesus, there was such a beautiful worship that Jesus took as this is a great sacrifice great love toward me. She did a beautiful thing. That's what Jesus said. And also, John 15, uh, verses 12 to 13, Jesus says this, This is my commitment that you love one another just as I loved you. No one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. For some reason, whenever I read this verse, I'm thinking about, like, I always imagine, like, my friend... Uh, drowning in water that's why i don't learn how to swim okay gives me an excuse not to jump in um there's no (laughs) there's no oh so crazy no one has greater love than this that he laid down his life for his friends i don't know how many you are ready to jump in and lay down your life for your friends Um, um i don't know if i'm ready for that but See how Jesus specifically says there is no greater love. This is the greatest form of love that you sacrifice, even your dear life, for others, for your friends. That's so crazy to me. I really think about it, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to love in that measure. I don't know if I can give up something that's so important and valuable to me to, for the sake of love. Very difficult, but I don't think any of us can get there overnight. Right? Out of nowhere, that you don't even live a life of sacrifice in any bit, but then all of a sudden when you see someone like in danger, you jump in and give up your life and lay down. I don't think it could happen that way. It only gets there through a lifestyle of sacrifice. So that's why I believe this verse is about walk in love. So that you will get to this point of ultimate love, of laying down your life. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be by some supernatural thing comes over you and all of a sudden you're able to do it. But you got to train for it. you got to train your heart and mind to be able to love even when it costs you something very great. And you know, famous story of Abraham... When God told Abraham to sacrifice what is dearest to you, son Isaac, that was, by the way, given to you by my promise, sacrifice that son. I'm sure Abraham lived a lifestyle of sacrifice and giving, giving away and giving up things for God that when, he, when God spoke to him in that manner, he was ready and he was willing to lay down his son. It takes a lifestyle of giving and sacrifice to get to that point of radical obedience. It doesn't happen overnight. Then, how can we get there together? That's what we want to talk about today. Um, by the way, sacrifice is not something that you can get away from. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you dedicated your life to follow Jesus Christ, Romans 12 1 says that you are a living sacrifice. Everyone says living sacrifice. You guys are already living sacrifice, and that's already who you are in Christ Jesus. But then the problem is that you are a living sacrifice. That's the problem, because you don't stay on the altar. A dead animal will stay there, right? But then because you're living, you you put yourself on the altar, and then you kind of roll off, <laughs> and then do your own thing. And then when you feel like you go up there again, and you sing, I keep myself away, and then you roll up again, you know, and then get up there again, roll up again. That's like the lifestyle of so many people. When I feel like it, I'll do it, I'll love, I'll sacrifice, I'll give up, but then, uh, I don't know about this right now, you just roll up. That's a problem with living sacrifices, and that's what God is dealing with, with all of us. And But it's our inevitable destiny that we are to live a life of living sacrifice not just parts of us but entire body put on the altar as a living sacrifice so why is sacrifice so difficult why is it so difficult it's because it's extremely unnatural for any human being you know your body is so and your mind is so well trained to look after your own well-being Hungry, you feed yourself. Thirsty, you drink water. And you, know, you, you, without even noticing, you are taking care of yourself in excellence in every way. Oh, you, you, you close yourself, you clean yourself. You don't have to think twice about it. You are good at, your instinct is to take care of yourself first, right? Very unnatural. You have a strong instinct of selfishness. We are very self-centered people. And that's everyone here. Imagine, you guys ever ride subway? When people ride subway, especially young people, they stare at their smartphones. And they do not take their eyes off of the smartphone because they don't want to see who hops on the train. Have you guys done that before? Oh, I'm the only sinner again, all right. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's nothing going on on Facebook. But then I'm like, I just don't want to see because if I see it, it's either I get up or I, I feel guilty for not getting up so i'm like i'm just not gonna see i'm like whoa okay hey one is hungry okay (laughs) all right (laughs) you know oh david is bored at work okay i see there's nothing important going on but then like people just look down and they don't even look up they don't watch out for anyone else because you got a seat and you gotta keep the seat and you don't want to get up because your legs are gonna hurt, you got a wrong light, you have a heavy bag, all these excuses, but that just tells me how our instinct is so strong. We are naturally selfish people. Are you guys with me? So, giving up something for others, sacrifice is extremely unnatural for anyone. It's something that we gotta train up for. Number two, it's very countercultural. This culture will tell you. That is foolishness to sacrifice things for others, especially strangers. That is foolish in the world. And such a, it's, its I don't have to explain this. You guys know this, right? I mean, the world doesn't value sacrifice. You got to make sure that nobody pushes you over. you got to make sure that you claim all your rights, that no one takes away anything from you. That's being smart. At least the world that I grew up in, People call this smart. That's being smart. Being selfish equals you take care of yourself very well and you're being smart. And then when you don't, that's foolish. Why would you do that? But then even among the Christian circles, what I noticed is that um, there's such a clear teaching about giving and sacrificing for others in the Bible, loving others even when it hurts you, loving your enemies and things like that. However, so many churches shy away from this teaching because it's so countercultural, And um, you guys know about teachings. I feel like Christians learn about boundaries first, even before they learn about sacrificing and giving for others and loving others when it costs you something. Boundary is Boundary teaching is very necessary for those who have a hard time saying no to certain things. When there are needs, they want to like jump in and help everybody. If that's you, you maybe need some teaching on keeping your boundaries and knowing your limits and saying no to certain things. But I feel like so many Christians, they learn, especially in the Western, like the mega church setting, you learn first about keeping your boundaries before you learn about serving others at the cost of sacrifice. And I, it's okay to say no to certain things, but not to everything, you know? Not to everything. You're going to say certain yes to certain things, you know? And um, there's definitely more insights that we need about life of sacrifice, but I'm just telling you that it's very unnatural for everyone. You're not alone. It's very countercultural to what we live in. So you're not alone in that. And even church, sometimes we emphasize so much on the keeping the boundaries that we neglect sacrifice parts. But uh, there's a lot of insight that I gained actually by sitting through one of our Kingdom First Prayer Tabernacle sessions. So I was there. It's, it's a home that if you haven't checked it out, you're going to definitely come out. It's a really great Um, setting there's music playing intercession ministering to the lord it's really great and i was sitting there uh, god was just releasing this understanding and teaching holy spirit was definitely speaking to me and i was just busy writing down what he was speaking he was teaching me about how there are three stages of life in a person so I mean, it's, it's, it isn't from a book, so it's just from what I received from the Lord, but it just perfectly makes sense. So three stages, if you think about it, from birth to a single young adult, by like age of 25, 27, maybe even up to 30, majority of us belong to that category, right? Right? Are we, you, we all young, right? <laughs> so the first stage of is, I was, I was just getting understanding it's all about me. It's a stage of me. It's me being born, growing, maturing, receiving, being discipled. Uh, It's all about me and taking care of my own needs and developing myself, right? And then marriage kicks in, and then raising children comes into the picture. And that's the second stage. That's like about age 25 to 32, 50, 55, until you're done raising your kids. That's like... um, all about, that stage is all about people that are around you. Think about it. You got married, and now you don't just eat what you want to eat. You got to think about what your husband wants to eat, right? Some sacrifice. Oh, I do laundry this way, but then this guy wants, it, wants to do this way. You got to sacrifice and negotiate, right? It's not about all about me. It's now someone that's around me, my husband, my spouse first. And then your children comes out. Guess what? Life of sacrifice starts right there. That you gotta sacrifice every priority of yours for this child. Pastors Heon and David, they just have a baby. They're not here because they're taking care of Zoe. Because Zoe needs to be fed every two hours, even throughout the night. You wanna sleep? Oh, I'm sorry. You gotta get up and you gotta feed that baby. You know? If you're a dad, you gotta wake up together and, and, and try try, huh? (laughs) and help out you know in any way baby's crying then you get up and you help the baby out it's all about people around you but your your family mainly you gotta sacrifice a lot you can't just do whatever you want to do you gotta take care of your spouse and your children if the child is one man difficult enough you have two three four five twelve i don't know you got to raise those children and that would take lots of sacrifice from you to the point where everyone says when you get married it's another level of sanctification it's like takes away every selfishness out of you and then the moment you have kid oh never mind i was just kidding this is the true sanctification going on now i'm really learning how to love how to sacrifice for others you know, that's like the stage that it's all about people around you. Not to say neglect yourself, but the main focus is your children and your family, right? It's for those around me. And then post retirement, elderly age, last stage. It's not all about spending your money to you accumulate it all your life. It's all about, um, about legacy. Leaving legacy for the next generation, and what God was kind of speaking to me is, it's not even the people that are around you; it's people that you will never even see, the young generation that is that, that's never gonna meet you. It's all about leaving something for those who will never, those who you will never see in person. That's big sacrifice, you know. And then th- those are like the three stages. Is everyone with me? Yes. And I felt like also the theme of that, I kinda talked about it already, but growth and maturation is for the first stage. Second stage is all about sacrifice. Sacrifice, sacrifice. Third stage is all about legacy, leaving things behind for others. And um, if you put it into, that's like just natural life, if you put it into a spiritual perspective, there are, I think, also three different stages of where you're at. If you are a baby believer, if you are growing yourself, maturing, enjoy that time. You receive prayer, receive discipleship, receive this, uh, healing and deliverance. You grow, you soak it up. It's the maturation process that you are in, first stage. And when you are mature enough you know how to take care of yourself, Then what happens is now you entered into a season of sacrifice. Sowing into other people, ministering to other people, praying for those people, discipling those people. That is a natural stage that you move on to. And then think about it. Later, later, later on, what happens is now you're going to live for legacy. What am I going to leave as inheritance for the next generation? What, you know, we talk about inspiration a lot, but... I want, after I die, I want my life to be inspirational for some other people that I've never met before, you know? So think about those stages. And if you are in me stage, that's fine. Grow and get to the point where you could look out for other people. And if you are active leaders and other mature leaders, if you are in that other second stage, enjoy this time. You you, You receive so much that now you are able to do the same thing. Enjoy that season of giving and sacrifice. I remember at the churchwide retreat in uh, May, I was a retreat director. and uh, It was like my fifth time doing it, but then uh, I noticed that I was actually really okay with Uh, And that's also my job, you know, I I get paid for it, so I can't complain, right? (laughs) But uh, I was directing the retreat, and then I was missing out on a lot of things. Seminars, sermons, I was always outside, uh, getting ready to sell t-shirts, you know, seminar tickets, cutting things off, just making sure that everything is okay. Uh, I was outside a lot, but then I I noticed that I used to feel, back in the days, I used to feel really neglected. Thank God, what about me? I want to get in there, and I want the guest speaker to lay hands on me. But then I noticed that this year round, I was okay with it. I was just running tables. Oh, that's fine. Other people are having great time. They're all getting blasted. I love that. And I noticed the shift inside of me, and then this... What God told me at K1 brought a lot of understanding to what was happening. It's not that I don't want that anointing anymore. I don't want to be ministered anymore. But I learned that when I watch out for other people, when I take care of others around me, God makes sure to bless me. And I was okay with it. But then it's funny because until the end, toward the tail end of the retreat, I didn't really get anything. And I was just busy taking care of other people, making sacrifices I guess and then at the end I don't know if you guys remember but I went off to make my final announcement I was ready you know to bring down all the bus stuff and it was Sunday very last session and then uh, our guest speaker Stephen Bochum, crept on the stage behind me and then he he got me on the stage okay right when I was about to share his announcement he like prayed for me and I don't remember much afterwards um <laughs> But definitely, Holy Spirit touched me powerfully. And at that moment, I I learned the lesson. When I watch out for other people, and when it's costly, I, I sacrifice. And God sees that. He sees that. Nothing goes unnoticed in the eyes of God. And He makes sure to bless me as well. I don't have to watch out for myself. I do what I'm called to do. Then God, He's got me. My Father, He wants to bless me. And um, I was very blessed, by the way, at that moment. And um, wow. Here are okay, oh, walk there. time flies. Um, here are three things that I want to. He just pulled up two minute sign, and I still have three points. Anyways, I'm gonna breeze through it with you guys. I hope you guys are okay. But how do we live a lifestyle of sacrifice? And I. These things really helped me greatly, so I would like to share these. So number one is, I mean, understanding the structure of what I share, I think that's important. But number one is, take one step at a time. Taking baby steps. I think that's very important. Because it overwhelms you when you think about, oh, i got to lay down my life, I'm a living sacrifice. That's like, oh, great, but it just doesn't register in your brain. So you've got to take it at one step at a time. Take baby steps. So walking, if you think about even a baby learning how to walk, they take little tiny stumbling steps, and that's how they learn to walk. And as they grow, they go faster, they can take bigger strides, right? So that's how we ought to learn to walk in love. Um, Do something that costs you something, but something that's 조금, that's uh, small, and start from there. Make a very unnatural decision in your brain once a week, and then you could increase the amount, you know. If you normally don't look around and don't get up on the subway train, try that once, you know. Especially if you're a foreigner, that that grandma or grandpa will be really, really blessed, like really, I guarantee. So, um start with something very small something that you know that oh i have i struggle with selfishness in this area you could take baby steps with it um personally time is very important to me i'm very stingy with my time so i choose and select who i spend time with you guys are you guys like that yeah, a lot of people, people that are like quality time, love language people. If time is very important, really, you need to listen up then. Um, if you are stingy with time, then start to make small sacrifices with your time. Spending time to help someone out. Spending time to um, hang out with someone that you would normally not hang out with. For example, Sunday afternoons, I usually... Go toward people that I'm comfortable with, right? And a lot of people I know. Our church is not, not exclusive, not clicky. But I know that our natural instinct is to gravitate toward who I'm comfortable with, who I already know well. And you're kind of like, that's comfortable. But Sunday afternoon, sacrifice it. It costs you something, yeah. Definitely you won't have the intimate time with your body buddies. But, oh, this newcomer. Oh, you want to grab dinner with me? There's a group going. You guys want to join me for gym Dog? Whatever. Like, you could make a little sacrifice of time Sunday afternoons, maybe Friday before Friday fire. You could start with baby steps of your time. Materialistic things. If you have attachment to certain things, I want to encourage you to try giving it away to someone. Something that you actually like. Makeup? I don't know. Clothes? Whatever. Whatever it means, just as like a symbol of, you know, God, I will sacrifice this in order to love someone. I mean, when you know that that person needs something, you know what I'm saying? So material things, even like giving to God. Have you you ever given an offering that actually hurt you a little bit financially? I'm not telling you to be irresponsible in your financial giving, but not just what's comfortable to you. Oh, 20 bucks, I can do that. But like when it actually hurts your wallet a little bit, you know? Oh, this means I got to tighten up my food budget. Sacrificing your food to bless someone in an extravagant way. Baby steps you can take. Don't like give out everything though, you know? But materially, time-wise, you could definitely start doing that. Baby steps. Whatever that means to you guys. Number two, understand how much God loves it when we do it. I think that's what really keeps me going. Um, You know, the Bible says, the verse that we read, when when Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So when Jesus made that sacrifice, it was a fragrant offering to the Lord and also a sacrifice to him. So when we make sacrifices, it is a fragrant offering to God, and it's a sacrifice that goes up to him. I think that shift really needs to happen. Because if you were just doing it for the person, uh, sometimes you just don't want to do that. But when you know that it actually pleases God, it goes up to him as a glory, then it motivates you to do that, right? So fragrant offering, uh, When fragrant offering, it's, it's mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. It's uh, When the sacrifice is burning, the smell goes up, the smoke goes up. That's the the sacrifice, the fragrant offering that the Bible talks about. It's pretty much a a meat grilling smell. It's like samgyeopsal on the grill kind of smell. When you're hungry, you're walking by a gogitsib or like a barbecue place. It will always catch your nose, right? Especially it's like a kimchi samgyeopsal type of place. Oh, my goodness, you walk by it, and... I, I guarantee you will always catch your nose and you will smell it and you will go, oh my goodness, it, sounds, it smells so good, right? That's kind of like that with God. When you do an act of sacrifice and when it costs you something, God smells it from heaven, oh, he catches my nose. It brings glory, pr- brings pleasure to his heart. And also it's sacrifice to him. You do it for the person, but then eventually it is done to God. We can never forget this, and it never goes unnoticed. I talked about it when I was, you know, the guitar story. I gave it to the Myanmar pastor, but I actually eventually gave it to the Lord. You know, and he's the one that was pleased with it. And you got to understand, whenever you do, no matter how small it is, when it's done, he is pleased and he loves it. His attention just falls upon you. Man, not only you just gave up the last piece of meat on the grill, and you gave it to someone else, Man, I love that, Natalie. Good job. God's pleasure over it. Like whenever you make sacrifice, you remind yourself that God is pleased that He went up to the Lord. Third thing: learn to this. Many people struggle. Learn to receive. So many people have struggles with receiving. When others do you favor? When others make sacrifice for you, many of you actually don't like it. You feel like you're being a burden. You feel like you have to pay back later. You feel like, ah, you don't have to do that. Like Some people really say, no, like no, 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 please don't do that. Don't sacrifice anything for me. Um, you're actually stopping them from living out God's word in their lives. When someone is sacrificing something for you, you need to learn how to receive that. If you live a lifestyle of rejecting others' favors and rejecting others making sacrifices for you, what about when you do it and them rejecting? Then no one's going to serve anyone. No one's, they're gonna, all just going to be taking care of themselves. It's got to be I sacrifice things for others. Others could sacrifice things for me as well. It's got to be a culture of learning and receiving from one another. You know, one of the main causes of suicide and the main thinking, like, what really kills people, I read this article, and it's actually one of the big things is that they, they, how they think, the people that commit suicide, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. That's why they just want to get rid of themselves and not be a burden to anyone, right? But then, think how demonic that sentence is. I don't want to be a burden to anyone, you know? (laughs) And how so many of us are thinking in the same pattern I don't want to be a burden to anyone Oh, no, 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 don't help me out I don't want to receive that favor Because Suppose what, you know You got to learn to receive Favor and sacrifice of other people And I think it's important for us to get rid of that Give and take mentality um, When you give The Bible says, don't expect anything back, right? But why are you thinking when someone does something for you, you're thinking, I got to give it back to them. You know, I got to pay back. I got to bless them back. I got to, you know, that's like the thinking a lot of us actually have. When you receive, just freely receive with no strings attached. Just receive and let that person bless you. And that goes up to the Lord as sweet smell, and sacrifice to the Lord. When you do it, let others just receive. And don't expect anything back. That's true sacrifice and true giving. I mean, I'm not saying it's not good to bless back others. Definitely. Be a blessing and and, and receive a blessing. But it's not like always give and take. Or oh, I, I, I bought you dinner once, then... You should buy me dinner once. You know, kind of, it's very um, clear in Korean culture. It's always give and take. Even like attending weddings and funerals, and you always bring an envelope. You know, Pastor Christian talked about this, but it's actually very true. You are to write down amount and the name of a person. And when something happens to that family, you are to bring the exact amount or more. That's the Korean culture. And it's kind of like help each other in emergency kind of culture, but it's very based on give and take. So um, get rid of that give and take mentality and freely bless and freely receive. I will receive. Everyone say that. I will receive. I will receive. And I'm not a burden. Not a burden. I want to speak to college students. Guys, don't feel like you guys are burdened to us. If you guys are burdened to us, we wouldn't be doing—we um, we, want to bless you guys. We want to sow into your lives, and don't ever feel like you have to pay something back to us. So simply receive. And later on, when you make money, you go bless the ones that are younger than you. And the future college students, don't ever feel like you, you received, so you got to somehow pay back. But we don't expect it from you ever. So many students— be free, okay? Be free from the mentality. And now lastly, um, your, when we sacrifice and live a lifestyle of sacrifice for others, loving others, even when it costs us something, when we take those baby steps and bigger steps of mature steps, remember that your sacrifice always points to the sacrifice that Jesus made. Um, I mean, lots of testimonies how when people... Christians making sacrifices that goes beyond their understanding. How could you sacrifice something? I mean, in North Korea, in concentration camps, a lot of Christians are locked up there. And um, this was a book written by one of the prisoners that actually ran away. Uh, I think it's called Tailess Animals. You guys know that? Yeah, it's, what? What's the full title? Eyes of the Tailess Animal. I read the book like overnight because it's like mad intense, but then this book talks about how people that are kept there, all they get throughout the day, they labor for like 17 hours a day, like really hardcore labor. All they get is a tiny, tiny bowl of barley rice. That's all they eat, right? Until they die out, uh, that's all they eat. And I read an account in the book about how this lady um, caught her son in the prison camp fighting with the neighbor over this poly rice ball, right? And then the lady stopped the children and grabbed the rice ball and gave it to the neighbor boy. When they had nothing to eat for the day and said, give it to your friend, love on your friend, And stories like that, when we hear things like that, how do people do that? When you are starved for years and you have no hope of getting other food, what that points to is the ultimate, the greatest sacrifice that Jesus has made. The most inconvenient decision ever for Jesus to step out of heaven, come down to this earth, to live a life for 30 years hidden away, doing the carpentry work for 30 years, and him dying on the cross, not expecting anything back. His sacrifice was the greatest example that we learn from, but also whenever we live a lifestyle of sacrifice, whenever the world sees that, what they see is the sacrifice manifested through our life of sacrifice. And only us have the ability to do that. I want us to just close with prayer. I want um, our praise team to come back up. I want us to kind of think about this. Um, when was the last time you you feel like you sacrificed something in order to love someone so I just want everyone to close your eyes and just we 're just going to spend some time in meditating on this